Alright, so this morning we're going to do Psalm 125. My sermon is titled Surrounded. Let's read through it together. If it says men, I said I wasn't going to do that anymore. So just read your parts, okay? Alright. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But to those who turn aside, with evildoers, peace be upon Israel. I want to start this morning uh, reflecting on a darkness in our nation. Um, if you're like me, you'd rather not do it. You'd rather get away from, from what's been going on for the last week and a half ever since last Wednesday, or Wednesday before last. Uh, it's tragic that it keeps happening, doesn't it? It's happened again. I simply cannot compute what it's like to be one of those parents who is ever ready, who can ever be ready to say goodbye to their child. (laughs) This doesn't have anything to do with what I'm going to talk about, but this says something about the nature of the Lord our God. God absolutely can understand. Not only because He's God and He understands everything, but also because He has had the experience. He knows what it is to be bereft of a child. In our Gospel reaches even that far. If it can get to there, where can it not go? But there's a story that's just recently come out, just toward the end of last week. Did you hear about this? A a, a just absolutely reprehensible and heartbreaking story about the the sheriff's deputy who who was actually assigned to that school as a safety officer whose job it was to be there in case anything went wrong. You hear about this? And he didn't go in. Standing outside, listening to the shots, he could hear the gun going off. And each one of those, or many of those anyway, is the end of a person. And he's tasked with the responsibility of protecting those people, and he, he stayed outside with a gun that might have ended the shooter before he ended more people. Other sheriff's deputies apparently showed up, but they also didn't enter. The police who went in were horrified that the, the deputies stayed outside. Can you imagine that? I tell you, if I'd been unarmed, I don't think I could have done that. I really don't. I can't even imagine staying away while children... Sometimes, doesn't it feel like that in this world? (laughs) When those who are tasked with the protection of us fail to do what they're supposed to do. It can feel so alone. And there is no worse feeling than thinking, I am alone, especially when everything comes apart. Have you ever been there? 
I don't mean have you ever been in the halls of a school where a shooting is going on. I, can't, I cannot believe that that is our nation. I, uh, but I mean, have you ever been, and maybe it showed up in your marriage, when you realized that this really was not going to turn out okay. And you felt absolutely alone. And nobody could do anything for you or say anything to make it okay. Or maybe it's sitting in a doctor's office and the test result came back and you had to look at that and and hear from the doctor and you thought, what? How How is that true? Or perhaps you looked at the date, and you saw what date it was, and you saw when the end of the month was, and how many bills you still had left, and you looked in your bank account, and you were thinking, how am I? And you're too embarrassed to tell anybody, but what am I going to, how am I going to feed my kids? Or, you fill in the blank. Have you ever felt like, You shouldn't have to face this by yourself, but you feel like you're facing it by yourself. You feel like there's there's nobody there to protect you. And where is God when that's going on? Have you ever been there? What do I do with God when stuff like this shows up in my life? And I feel like you're, you're supposed to be my protector, and this has happened. So where are you? Well, folks, it is in those rough times, more than ever, that we need to make the journey to Jerusalem. We need to gather around the campfire, and we need to sing. These weeks, we are singing the Psalms of Ascent. You just sang one of them, put to music several times. Uh, you know, and we're singing these songs. We are praying together, church. Are you using the prayer guides? Are you praying these psalms? We are praying together as a church about this journey into the heart of God. Well, when it feels like God is absent and it feels like God is far away, that's when you need this more than ever. It is when He feels far That you've got to draw close to other people who are close to Him so that they can help you keep believing. When it's hard to trust, you need to be around people who say, no, He's trustworthy. Because at the heart of it all, and the heart of this challenge, is trust. We're going to say that word several times. I want you to say it with me. Say, trust. Okay, we'll say it together when I go like this. Trust. At the center of it all is, do I trust God? This song opens with those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion that will never be moved. I want you to notice that it says those who trust in the Lord. It does not say those who believe in the Lord. Not that that's not part of it, but that's not what it said. Satan believes in the Lord. It it does not say those who worship the Lord. It does not say those who perform things for the Lord. It does not say those who are trying really hard to be good for the Lord. It says those who, say it with me, 
trust in the Lord. Is he a good person? In this broken world, you will encounter again and again and again evidence that says God is not good if you read it that way. Because the world is cursed. And things here are hard. There are so many problems all over the place that we run into again and again. And if I want to, I can look at those things and I can say, if you loved me, then this wouldn't happen. When in fact, it's if you love me and this happened, you will be with me. I must have you because I live in a, in a broken world. I live in a broken me and I want out. I want safety. I want security. What do I do with all that stuff that's happening to me? I trust you, God. Because even though this world is filled with things that are not good, it's also filled with you. And you are good. And I will trust you. Now those who do that, they're like Mount Zion. They will never be moved. And what does that mean? How stable is your life? How stable is life in this world? And we live in a world that reminds us constantly that the chaos can leap up and take you and you don't see it coming. Doesn't it? The world tells us over and over again, you aren't stable. Look into your own heart. And how stable is that? Do you find it to be wavering? Do you feel that some days the sun is shining even even though it's raining outside and you feel fine, you feel good, and then moments later, you're wondering how you're going to get through the day? We all of us ride this roller coaster of life that is sometimes simple and sometimes challenging and sometimes... But, for those who trust in the Lord, there is a stability even in the middle of the chaos. In the midst of the storm, there is solid ground. Because the Lord God is good. I often wonder, how are things going to work out? How am I going to get through this? What's going to happen next? But there is this place within my heart that even when I'm happy or sad and everything's, I have this certainty, this solid knowledge that everything is going to be okay. And on a long enough timeline, it always is. Because eventually God intends to mend all of it. And even here, God carries us through the trouble. And a person who can face, who can face life knowing God is with you can face anything. Anything. We can get through it all. In the next verse, he says, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. I want you to notice that last line. From this time forth and forevermore. Except maybe not on Tuesdays, right? No. Always. Well, what about that time when I feel like He's not around? He's there. Always. Well, but I'm hurting really bad. He's with you always. There's a reason though that He's got to say a thing like that. It is so easy to lose sight of Him. It is so easy to forget about Him and to start trying to live life as though you are alone. 
And so he says, I am there as much as the mountains around Jerusalem. Now, how many of you all been to Jerusalem? Okay, a couple of you. Wow, I'm so jealous right now. But I've not been to Jerusalem. So that doesn't really resonate with me. How many of you all did a hike from far away into Jerusalem and saw the change in the nature of the ground as you traveled in? Did you camp on your way in? Good. Okay, so I got you. All right. (laughs) You know, the traveling in, as you're heading in, the reality is, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I've looked at the relief maps. Jerusalem is in a really mountainous area. You know, Jerusalem sits on a raised mount called Mount Zion. Kind of a, a flat area on top. The city itself is sitting on that. But around, the, especially the southern rim, there are very deep valleys. And the reality is, if you were to stand on those ancient walls and, that don't exist now, but if you were to stand on those and you were to look out in any direction, what did you see? Mountains. And in fact, long before you got to the city, you were walking through what? Mountains. You headed through them. and the, So the people who trekked into Jerusalem, they knew what maybe you and I don't just by reading it. This, he's everywhere deep, miles deep of, of bendy rough ground. He's saying, that's how much I am with you. I am all around you. And here's the thing. We live surrounded by mountains. Do you still see them? Do you see them? You know, I have, every once in a while, I have this great drive home where I drive along 191, and right after you go over uh, Rugby Road, there's this hill that goes down, and you can see the mountains, and you see layers deep. You see Mount Pisgah up there. And I turn uh, down here onto, onto, uh, what is it, Uh, Schoolhouse Road, I think. Um, And as I head up toward Bulldrock Cider, you know, there's this one place where it's like 270 degrees of mountains. And every once in a while, as I'm driving home, you know, and the sun is setting, and I see it, I wake up again, and I'm like, whoa, I live in the most beautiful place on earth. It is so gorgeous. But if you're like me, it is so common for me to be driving around somewhere and forget where I live. What I see is the potholes. You know, what I, what I see is the, the snow or, or the, or I don't know, pick, I, I see that tree or that one, but I don't see the mountains anymore. Because they just become assumed. They just become familiar. I think what God is saying to us is remember I am here. Especially to the traveler who doesn't live in Jerusalem. Remember, I am all around that city. And I am all around you. But it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to take our eyes off of this reality that you live and move and have your being. Every breath you take is in the presence of God. He is never not with you. No matter what you face, no matter what you're going through, He, um, he surrounds your entire Life, And so you have to trust in the real reality of that which can become difficult to see. In the hard times, it can seem like, ah, oh, He's not around. You want the stable life, you remember the stability of God. Those who become like mountains do so because they remember that the mountain never moves. God is always there, always present, and always doing good. I don't care how bad or how hard life gets, He never abandons His people. He is always 
with us. So the rest of the prayer then does this shift, and it's concerned with the lifestyle and behavior of God's people. How do I be a good person? And what does all that have to do with the surrounding of God? What does that have to do with who I am and and how good I am? I want you to say it with me. Trust. Your hope for being a good human being is not you. Your hope for being a good person is the God who surrounds you. Your hope for goodness in life is Jesus Christ your Lord. Period. Because what comes from me is a mess. But there's no mess in Him. And when I take the mess to Him, He takes it away. A little bit at a time, He's drawing it out of me. I'm becoming a good man. And it is the Lord God who provides it for us. So he says in the next verse, For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands and do wrong. What is that about? Well, you see, this is clearly a French king. Look at those pants. But in his hand here, you see that? The red dot. You see this thing right here? That, That great big long staff? That's a scepter. And what is a scepter for? Oh, a scepter is to declare somebody a monarch. It's a way of saying, hey, you know, you look around, you see all the people out there. Look for the one holding the shiny stick. That's the one who's king. Right? It is a statement of authority and power. And what he says is the scepter of wickedness won't rest among us. And what does that mean? Especially when you remember that the people who are traveling up to Jerusalem, the people doing this journey are doing it pre-Christ. So they're already singing this song in hope for a day that, folks, you and I live in. We live in the day when the great King has come. They sang this song through the reign of Manasseh. They sang this song through the reign of Hezekiah. Good King came, bad King came, and they kept singing the song, thinking about the truth that this thing won't last forever. These kings won't always be here. And folks, when a bad King showed up, Israel had enough experience to know a bad king leads to bad people. What do they do during the reign of Manasseh? They burn their babies. Bad king leads to bad people. But good king? And folks, you have a good king. I have never ever regretted any time I have obeyed my king. Not one time. I might have at the time, while I'm trying to do it, gone, I don't want to do this. But I've never reflected back on the choice to obey Jesus and said, well, that was a bad idea. Look at how that turned out. Even if it blew up in my face, I could say, yes, but I have my integrity. Thank you, Jesus. You saved me from what I would have been without you. And every time I listen to Him, He prevents me from doing the stupid. He keeps me from stretching forward my hand and doing something wrong. He is my protection. And so as I pray this prayer, I remember the great work of Christ Jesus in my life. My goodness and even my knowledge of goodness comes from my King who is given to me by my God. And so I sing this praise to God that the scepter of righteousness is ruling in my life and in yours. 
And I, I wouldn't know what it is to be good if I, listen, if I didn't listen to him. Forgive your enemies? That, love your enemies? That sounds crazy, not good, until you practice it. Forgive everybody, everything? Yes, there's the road to the good life. Boy, you don't know about Jesus? That sounds nuts, because do you realize what forgive everything means forgive everything? And there's an awful lot of everything included in everything. It's like everything. You know, and that's tough, isn't it? Love them anyway. Be good to them anyway. I don't want to do it anyway. Okay, and suddenly I discover goodness and it grows up in me because of the work of my great king. He prevents me from doing things that I regret. Everything I regret is disobedience. I never regret what I do in obedience to my king. And so I pray going, thank you, rest on me. Let your reign be found in me. Say it with me. Trust. There's The next two verses could be read either by Adam or by Christ. There's kind of two different ways. If you read it Adam's way, then it sounds like, okay, well if I do enough good things, if I'm upright enough in heart, I'm going to get the rewards for the upright. But boy, if I do those bad things. And that's Adam's way of reading things. He reads it and goes, and frankly, that's an awful lot of us. I suspect it was an awful lot of Israel. I mean, they weren't able to recognize Jesus when they walked among Him for a reason. And part of it is bad read of Scripture. If you read it that way, you're reading that as the threat. Be good enough. Because if you're not good enough, then you're not good enough. But if you remember, where's this whole thing start? Those who trust in the Lord, right? So how do I do this? I trust the Lord. And the good grows up in me because of Him. And He is constantly preparing me for the terrifying reality that I will die and face judgment. And that, if that doesn't shake your bones a little bit, then you don't really believe it. And there's an awful lot of Christians that don't. They, they know it's true out there, some in the ether. But the fact that you will die is unavoidable, and that it is appointed to man once to live, and then comes the judgment. And all of us will face it, and that's what this is about. But when Christ reads this, what does He read? He reads, well, you, Father, are my hope for that. He lived his entire life as a human being, living the way that he should. Well, what did that mean? It means he trusts his Father implicitly and entirely. He rested in prayer. He knew that his hope for goodness was his God because he was a human. And he's doing human life the way that we should. And he's calling us to do it too. And when we live following Jesus, Jesus empowers us to goodness. And that has consequence. And when we don't trust Him, that has consequence too. It breaks us. It ruins us. Those who remember the reality and the nearness of God set their hearts on the One who could lead them to good character and godly living. He's the only One who can do it. It isn't in you or me. It's in Him. But when we remember how much He permeates our lives, that He is everywhere around us, He is not far off. He is as close as your next breath. And when you face the temptation, when you're in the desperate situation, remember that you have a King who did not stay outside. 
when the danger came and the trouble was all around, He came into it. He charged in and He said, let your bullets hit me, not them. Let it come onto me. Let it all fall on me. And it did. And we live because He died. He has absolute courage and absolute strength and absolute ability to help you and to heal you and to save you. And He is not far off. He completely surrounds you. He is your Savior and your God. And so this last word we can say with absolute rest, absolute certainty, we could be at peace. Peace be upon Israel. Not because of us, but because of Him and who He is and what He does. He is our God. So when it seems like you are alone, when it seems like the chips are down, when it seems like everything is falling apart, remember that you are not alone. And then no matter how things go in this world, you've got someone who's going to get you through it. It might all collapse. That thing that you're all afraid of and you're thinking, the promise of God is that thing that you're afraid of, don't worry, it'll never happen to you. That's not God's promise. Not if the cross is true. No, the promise of God is that thing you're afraid of is very possible and might very well happen. But it's nothing to be afraid of because you are with God Almighty. And He will get you through. Always. Always with you. To the very end of the age. Say it with me. Trust. Let's pray this psalm together. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their own crooked ways, the Lord with evildoers, peace be upon Israel. How are you doing? You trust Him? Chances are good that somebody in this room is facing a circumstance that would, that where the devil will tell you, you are alone. Do you trust Him? Because He's with you. He's always with you. And if that's you, and you need other people to pray with you in order to feel the safety and the salvation and the protection of our Lord, then let us know. And if you came here today, and you came bearing a burden that has nothing to do with what I talked about, but it's heavy on you, and you want the prayers of the saints, we're praying church, let us pray for you. And if you're not a Christian, there's no better way of life than following Christ Jesus. If this morning you're subject to the invitation of God, there's room right here, or right there. Why don't you come? 